Every week, journalists at the University of Florida's College of Journalism and Communications report important stories for the people of North Central Florida and beyond. With, you know, the midterms having just yeah. passed, do you feel that politics are important to, you know, combating anti-Semitism? First, I want to start by talking about what hate speech is and how it's viewed under law. Is anti-Semitism on the rise in North Central Florida? What effect do well-known people such as Kanye West and Kyrie Irving have on the local communities when they use a hateful language? This is The Rewind from WUFT News. I'm your host today, Julia Cooper. I'll take you through the strongest reporting coming out of the college and a discussion with the people most familiar with these stories. This week, the Rewind team is looking at how reports of anti-Semitism across North Central Florida are impacting the Jewish community. Hate crimes continued to rise in the state of Florida over the last several years, according to a report on extremism from the Anti-Defamation League of Florida. The FBI's 2020 hate crime statistics report indicates that about 56% of nationally reported religion-based hate crimes in 2020 targeted the Jewish community. Producer Jack Prater spoke with Ashley Jones, an engagement associate at UF Hillel, about the impact of celebrity anti-Semitism on campus. UF Hillel has grown their outreach in response to recent incidents such as anti-Semitic messaging projected on the stadium at U.S. Florida-Georgia football game. Here's Ashley. It's interesting that things are coming up so recently because anti-Semitism is on a cycle, right? Like, it's the oldest form of hate in the book. Uh, people have been anti-Semitic since the beginning of time, and now it's really scary because we're seeing the same tropes that have kind of died down since the Holocaust really reemerge. And UF Hillel has been doing a campaign over the last two weeks called Chomp Hate, where we've been out tabling and we've had a unity Shabbat with administration from the university to combat anti-Semitism and bring people together um, against hate on campus. And actually this uh, upcoming game day, there's going to be a lot of fraternities and sororities that have Chomp Hate uh, signs on their houses. And we're trying to work with the university to actually get Chomp Hate stickers on all of the players' helmets for this weekend. So... And two weeks ago, was that a direct response to anything? Or Yeah, that was a direct response to the Kanye is right about the Jews being projected on the Florida-Georgia game. Have you felt like any, any wins in the last few weeks, even with Alex Jones, you know, being forced to pay, like, I think yeah. it was a billion dollars? Lots of money. Feel like any wins of anti-Semitism? It's hard to say because the truth is anti-Semitism exists every single day. We actually started a coalition of like, leaders on Jewish leaders on campus to talk about being proactive about anti-Semitism. They started meeting four weeks ago and then all this happened two weeks ago. So actually Jewish leaders on campus have been trying to respond to anti-Semitism for a long time. I think that there's anti-Semitic incidents that happen on campus every single day, but they're not big enough to make the news. And anti-Semitism happens so frequently that it's not news to people anymore. You know, news at the end of the day is popular media. And if people aren't, you know, going to click on it, people really won't pay attention. And so whether that's like just a comment being made by a classmate or, you know, a swastika drawn on a sign or, uh, you know, carved into something, anti-Semitism happens all the time. But, you know, obviously Kanye is perpetuating that and rounding up a big group of people to, you know, keep spreading his hateful message. And it's, it's getting worse for sure. With, you know, the midterms having just yeah. passed, do you feel that 
politics are important to, you know, combating anti-Semitism? Yeah, absolutely. I think that our politicians need to do a better job of um, combating anti-Semitism, recognizing anti-Semitism. I think that we have great partnerships as Jewish people with politicians because we know that that is a way to protect ourselves. So it's harmful to hear that like Jews control politics, Jews control the media, when it's actually Jewish people trying to protect themselves and communicating with the right people, as we've had to do for hundreds of years because we've always been in this position of being a minority. And hopefully um, the politicians that got elected will, you know, keep anti-Semitism as something that they care about. Um, But, you know, Florida is a red state and you just never really know what they uh, will actually choose to do. I understand how you can probably want to be on the defensive most of the time and having to protect yourself. Do you... Do you get tired of that or? Oh my God, I'm exhausted. (laughs) Like the thing is I work at Hillel and uh, my job here is coordinating all the Israel travel programs for Jewish students on campus. And I have, you know, my work week is, you know, when there's something like what happened at the Florida Georgia game, you know, whatever I had to do that week is no longer relevant. You know, I have to completely shift gears and focus on something else. And it's exhausting. Like it happens all the time. And I am definitely sick of it and would rather people just not be anti-Semitic and we could all just focus on ourselves and be a cohesive community. That was producer Jack Prater speaking with UF Hillel Engagement Associate Ashley Jones about anti-Semitic messaging and the UF community. Producers Nathaniel Wilson and Matt Bell each sat down with local rabbis to discuss the Jewish community in Gainesville and the North Central Florida community more broadly. Rabbi Beryl Goldman works with the Lubavitch Chabad Jewish Center at the University of Florida. Producer Nathaniel Wilson spoke with him about efforts that can be done to put an end to anti-Semitism. My wife and I have been serving Jewish life and learning at UF Santa Fe College in North Central Florida for over two decades. And we find it as a very welcoming, warm community on and off campus. The demographics of the University of Florida specifically is known, we are known as one of the largest Jewish student populations out of Israel on any campus, number-wise, not percentage-wise. We used to be number one. We believe we're number two, three, or four. Uh, We're still known as number one, but we'll take the honor. There's no way to know uh, specifically the actual demographic numbers. It's arbitrary in a sense, but there is a very large Jewish student uh, Jewish student population at UF, one of the largest top three or four in the, in the world out of, the, out of Israel on any campus. Uh, it's a very vibrant, uh, welcoming campus, uh, Jewishly, as well as uh, for all uh, faiths or all type of students. There is some random incidents of anti-Semitism that happens everywhere at any time. Uh, Gainesville or UF is uh, not immune to that. But by and large, this is a very friendly, welcoming campus to all students and Jewish students as well. Is anti-Semitism on the rise in North Central Florida? Without going into security uh, 
protocols or information that's shared with faith-based organizations that have threats. We're in touch with Florida Department of Law Enforcement, FBI, local and uh, federal agencies ongoing. This has been uh, over two decades that I'm involved uh, with, you know, sharing and hearing information, see something, say something, the best prevention is information. We know based on law enforcement data that's shared with us, and this I can share with you, that there's no doubt there has been more anti-Semitic incidents, not of violence per se, and I'm only speaking about North Central Florida and a little bit of, over the Southeast, but more specifically centered at North Central Florida, because that is the communities Chabad and Gainesville serve, specifically in Alachua County and the greater area. So um, we know that there has been definitely an increase in anti-Semitic rhetoric uh, online, uh, online anti-Semitic statements and propaganda. We know that in North Central Florida, specifically Gainesville and the greater area, there has been an increase in anti-Semitic literature distributed and things of that nature. Having said that, we have no data, uh, the center or law enforcement that shares some data with us, we have no data showing or proving any actual physical or violent increase in anti-Semitic incidents specifically. Um, on one hand, that's comforting. On the other hand, you never know when anti-Semitic rhetoric or literature or hate speech will cause a lone wolf or someone else to respond with violence. And that's always a concern. Uh, hate speech, uh, uh, bias, anti-Semitism of any type on any level is nurtured, shared, and taught. That causes or triggers violence and in general, hate and bias. So regardless of the effect, we are always concerned about it. It needs to stop. It needs to be condemned. It should have no home. And I believe it if it would be condemned enough and uh, no one would be comfortable spewing such bias, hate, or uh, anti-Semitic expressions of any type, it would definitely reduce a potential violent uh, attack or incident. What can be done to extinguish anti-Semitism? Anti-Semitism, hate, bias of any type uh, is taught, nurtured, imbued. The response to what's happening now, seeing an increase in the online and in person of anti-Semitic expressions, whatever emboldens an individual or group to do that is nothing new. On the other hand, it should be a wake-up call to all of us. And when I say us, I don't mean the Jewish community, the Black community, the Asian community, the Hispanic community. I mean all of mankind. We're one community. The Lubavitcher Rebbe of blessed memory in the early 90s, there was an incident in New York with uh, a famous anti-Semitic uh, unfortunate incident, and many uh, uh, community leaders came to the Lubavitcher Rebbe to express support and solidarity with the Jewish community, and the Rebbe welcomed that and was very comforted by it, and we welcome that today. But the Rebbe said, why are we speaking about 
different communities. We are one community. And I believe this is a wake-up call. Again, unfortunately, we have to realize that anti-Semitism, hate and bias to any person or any group or any demographic is taught, nurtured, and instilled. And the only long-term real answer to that is education, education, education. And it starts from a very young age in homes, in schools, what parents share with their children, what teachers or social circles speak at at parties. And I'm not specifically thinking of any group when I say this. All of us have a great responsibility and job to do to eradicate hate, bias, anti-Semitism of any type to any person or group. The only way that will be done is if my child and your friends and everyone's social circles do not harbor or allow or give a home to hate speech, rhetoric, propaganda, bias, anti-Semitism of any type to any person, to any group. It's a long road ahead, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. That was producer Nathaniel Wilson speaking with Rabbi Beryl Goldman of the Lubavitch Chabad Center on efforts to end anti-Semitism across North Central Florida. Producer Matt Bell sat down with Rabbi Aaron Nodick of the UF Chabad Center to ask how rise in anti-Semitism was affecting the Gainesville area. What effect do well-known people like Kanye West and Kyrie Irving have on the local community when they use hateful language? We found varied reactions. Um, overall, it's concerning that this is becoming mainstreamed. Um, I don't think that uh, most people uh, ever believe that antisemitism has been eradicated, but the recent rise in the mainstreaming of it has been concerning. Um, and we've seen some, some students and community members that we serve uh, reaching out they're concerned for the personal safety um, and things like that. So others have react reacted more mildly, but overall, it's a very concerning situation. My fellow reporter Ailey Shanes mentioned to me that you spent some time in Europe. I was wondering if you noticed any differences in anti-Semitism abroad compared to here in the United States. That's a good question. It's been it's been a long time since I've been uh, I've been in Europe. I was in Europe during my uh, rabbinical training, and. You know, anti-Semitism may take on various forms, um, and it may be slightly nuanced in different places, but unfortunately, history repeats itself one way or another. That's kind of our job to, pre to prevent the worst of it from repeating itself. So, you know, some of the comments that we've heard from, from Kanye and others, uh, they're not original comments, right? They've been heard before. You know, everyone has a, a, perhaps an individual experience when it comes to various prejudices and so on. But um, in a general sense, you can say it's more of the same. Do you feel that the rise in hate speech has any connections to politics? You know, generally, I'm not a, I'm not a big uh, political commentator. Mm -hmm. um, both personally and professionally, definitely, we don't uh, mix politics at all. I think, you know, everything that takes place, you know, in society, there's, there's a cause and effect to everything. 
so you know to ignore connections with what's going on to, to politics economics and and various other uh, socioeconomic factors is uh, you know to ignore that um, I would say simply untrue. What exactly is causing the current uh, anti-Semitic climate? I, I I couldn't say specifically. What effects does the hate speech have on the local community? You know, some are are personally concerned for their safety. Others are more just generally concerned about the trends and what that may mean in the future, even if they may not be immediate, immediately concerned for themselves or their families. But in general, just to go back to what you were previously saying about about causes and so on, while it's important to try to uncover what may be causing something, what's more important is always focusing on the positive, on the moving forward, and, and positive actions that could be taken to remedy the situation, to make things better, as opposed to seeing who can be blamed, you know, where you can point fingers and so on. It doesn't. It's not usually uh, productive. What are some of the positives that we can take away from what's happening here? Personally, you know, I think that we tend to look at things in a macro way and a micro way. Um, I would advise everyone to look at this, look at their, their own reaction on a personal level. In other words, try to be nicer to someone, you know, try to, you know, think of someone a friend, an acquaintance, someone that you may disagree with, but try for a moment to perhaps see things from their perspective. Just make that one move, right? That one action, or even that one feeling in your heart that will make yourself a kinder person, a more understanding person. And, you know, doing that, I believe, will will really have a lot a real positive effect on ourselves and on society. We sometimes, you know, look for grand solutions and big slogans and hashtags and whatnot, but ultimately we're talking about how people interact with each other, how people behave towards each other. And that starts one person at a time. Is UF Shabbat doing anything to combat the hate speech? So, as you, you may have seen, you know, last week we had a, a solidarity rally here just to, to, as a show of support to the, the, the local Jewish community and the Jewish student community. In general, uh, our philosophy is that the best way to combat neg negativity is not to try and chase it away or perhaps lay blame or anything like that, but to combat it by increasing increasing positivity. So, as I mentioned to you before, you know, try and encouraging our, ourselves and others to be more kind and understanding of, of other people and other perspectives um, as the best way to combat it, as opposed to as opposed to taking it on head on and saying, "Oh, those comments are wrong," and arguing, you know, when you uh, when you tussle with someone, you end up getting. Uh, getting dusty and dirty yourself as well. That's not something we wanted to. What do you recommend people do if they're having a hard time encountering or hearing hate speech? That's a very good question. Um, we, we've encouraged the community that they're always welcome to reach out to us if they're feeling unsafe or they're feeling concerned and so on, um, both for, for counseling as well as connecting them with available resources that can help their specific situation. 
Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Just a, a, a general message to all your listeners, just as a general message to, to your audience that every single deed, every good deed counts. Um, every small uh, step that you take uh, will make our world a better and brighter place and make our society a kinder one. That was producer Matt Bell speaking with Rabbi Aaron Nodick on anti-Semitism impacting Florida. Rachel Carol Riva is the Deputy Director of Research and Development at the Southern Poverty Law Center. Producer Ezra Sheffield sat down with her to learn about hate speech and how it's viewed under the law, as well as how advocacy groups like the SPLC tackle pushing back against anti-Semitism. First, I want to start by talking about what hate speech is and how it's viewed under law. Yeah. Well, I think it's a really great question to to ask about a term like hate speech that gets used often, right, that um, is sort of common language, I think, especially today in our community. But actually, in reality, it is not a shared definition by most people. And in fact, in law in the U.S. and most places in the world, there isn't actually a legal definition around hate speech. I think, you know, commonly people often think of hate speech as referring to like offensive discourse um, that targets a particular group and based on, on some inherent characteristic um, like, uh, you know, race or sexuality. But it can also be, you know, those things that are, you know, not inherent characteristics, religion, etc. Um, the United Nations has used a definition that is somewhat helpful, but again, is not particularly legal. Um, and they have said in their plan of action around hate um, that hate speech is a kind of communication in speech, uh, writing, or even behavior that attacks or uses pejorative and discriminatory language in reference to a person or a group um, on the basis of who they are. So, um, in other words, on their based on their religion, their ethnicity, their nationality, their race, um, gender, other identifying factor. You know, in the United States, we do define hate crimes in a really similar way, um, but we don't really define um, hate speech. And 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 often, actually, I, I don't use the term very commonly either. When you have two celebrities like Kyrie and Ye sort of positing these anti-Semitic talking points, does that adjust the way the Southern Poverty Law Center approaches advocacy against anti-Semitism. Yeah, that's super interesting. I mean, I think that it is so easy for people to um, talk about hate groups as some really far away other. I think, unfortunately, we have this like very historic idea of the problems of our country, right, as something of the past. And so, you know, hate groups, I think a lot of times, you know, we get the images of like clan robes and, you know, um, shaved heads and steel-toed boots. And, you know, there is that in our society, unfortunately, that really sort of extreme edge that like has all the image of hatred that we think exists. But one of our most important jobs, I think, at Southern Poverty Law Center is to talk about, you know, the the whole scope of the anti-democratic hard right, the anti-democracy, right? And this is a little d uh, hard right. And this larger movement encompasses a lot of pieces and it includes 
you know, really a few things that hold it together. Um, you know, this rejection of equality and pluralism and this kind of seeking through actions a very more hierarchical ordered community and society where like some folks have more power and political, social, economic power than others and um, is often really uh, authoritarian and reactionary, right? Um, and even, as we've seen lately, very conspiratorial. And that is a kind of larger social and political movement. We've got to describe that whole kind of spectrum, how it all fits together. And different groups and people play different roles. And unfortunately, when we have these sort of, not necessarily group leaders, but more like public figureheads that are either, you know, community leaders, Hollywood folks, um, uh, politicians that, you know, share these ideas or spread these ideas or try to encode them into law even, you know, we we mostly just need to make sure we talk about where they are in that movement. Like, what is their role? And I do think that that door opening role that they they have is so important because, you know, when they're opening that door, it just means that like that flood can come through of either the far right activists that were already there, but it also kind of like pushes people who weren't there. It manipulates them into sort of thinking these things are acceptable. And, and that's just, I think, not what people want. They don't want to be manipulated. We need, you know, true facts, um, good community. Um, so I think we don't we don't necessarily have to uh, adjust, um, but we do need to explain well. So what would you say to someone who believes they may have been a victim of a hate crime or maybe witnessed a hate crime as like a, a first step, a first response to that situation? So we, I would say, you know, twofold. One, people should absolutely report these things to, you know, authorities. So if it's a school administration, employer, um, but also to law enforcement. And that's not always easy because that isn't always an, you know, an, an easy interaction. But even if it's really a simple um, report to them, because we're really pushing and asking our federal government to require the reporting of hate crimes, uh, you know, filing of those reports by individuals, as well as their follow through um, from localities, local law enforcement to the federal government. Right now, unfortunately, the federal government does not require every uh, locality and local law enforcement agency to report what's even happened and been reported to them. So our data is really incomplete. We have a, we have a poor picture of what's happening. Um, but the same goes to those reports to uh, their, again, school, employers, et cetera. We need to have a better scope of understanding because then we can really sort of start to tackle the problem. So that's first. And that's not always simple. So, you know, go with a friend or find a way to report online or um, over the phone if that feels like, you know, a challenging scenario. I think secondly is, you know, um, to, to reach out to those networks. And sometimes that's hard, right, because people can be isolated. But um, and it's why community resilience and community building activities are a prevention effort. But surround, you know, um, yourself with people who who are listening, who would hear. And then if you are a witness or someone who's been um, not the direct victim, 100% surround those people who are being targeted with, you know, a nice loud effort to show that this is not actually acceptable and that most people don't believe. The spectacle that the hard right anti-democracy, you know, hate group movements try for is to intimidate um, and in that intimidation to make it seem like everyone agrees. And a good example is when like 
maybe one person could drop hundreds of flyers that are racist or anti-Semitic. And if people don't speak up, then those folks who were targeted in that flyer, they are left with the impression that, well, then everyone must be okay with it. And so I think that that community response is actually so, so important. That was producer Ezra Sheffield speaking with Research and Development Director at the Southern Poverty Law Center, Rachel Carol Riva, on hate speech under the law. That's all for this episode. For more information, make sure to check out WUFT.org. The Rewind from WUFT News is produced by Matthew Bell, Julia Cooper, Jack Prater, Ezra Sheffield, and Nathaniel Wilson. Our executive producer is Ryan Vasquez. WUFT News is operated out of the College of Journalism and Communications at the University of Florida. Remember to follow us at WUFT News on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest stories. Thank you for listening. I'm Julia Cooper. See you next week.